So about a month ago, the largest hack that has ever occurred in history was discovered. And even now, we still don't know how badly everyone has been impacted by it. At this point, all evidence shows that it was the Russians who were responsible for this attack on the U.S. and on thousands of companies around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, damas y caballeros, welcome to El Cyber Gigante Podcast. So on December 13th, FireEye, which is a cybersecurity organization, a company, made a global announcement that they had discovered a critical global intrusion campaign. Now, what does that mean? It means that thousands, thousands of companies all around the world had been hacked. Of the Fortune 500 companies, 425 of them were hacked. According to SolarWinds SEC filing, the malicious code was downloaded by almost 18,000 of their customers. And those customers are not just companies, but several departments of the U.S. government were also hacked. The United States Defense Department, that's part of the Pentagon, they were hacked. The United States Department of Energy, they were hacked. And this is worrying because this is where our nuclear secrets and intellectual property is. The U.S. government State Department, they were hacked. The NIH, which is the National Institute of Health, the extent of the damage there is still unknown. But based on some reports, the Russian hackers were actually going after coronavirus vaccine research. The U.S. Homeland Security, they were hacked. The United States Department of Commerce, hacked. The California Department of State Hospitals. Now, I'm not sure what they're looking for here, but they were definitely hacked as well. The Treasury Department, hacked as well. And several of these government departments are not disclosing how badly they were impacted. So guys, this is, this is really, really bad. Now, the crazy thing about this hack was it wasn't like it was discovered a couple weeks ago once the attack was out in the wild. Nah, nah, this, is, this one's different. This attack started back in March of 2020, and it was just discovered in December. That means hackers had access from April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. That's nine months of full admin access to critical and sensitive information from both government and private companies. This is a really bad one, guys. Everyone knew that one day there would be a massive hack that would occur, something that everyone would call the one. <laughs> well, guys, this one is it. This is it. Now, how did this happen, right? How can a group of Russian hackers infiltrate thousands of companies around the world? Well, let me tell you. Here are the chain of events. FireEye, which is a huge cybersecurity company, they focus on providing tooling and security services for companies around the world. They also do a lot of investigation work. And typically when a big profile hack occurs, they're the ones who are called in to investigate and figure out who was the one that performed the attack. So when FireEye made this announcement last month on December 8th that they had been hacked, it looked pretty bad, right? Like first, it's a cybersecurity company. And second, it's a cybersecurity company. Like how is a company focused on cybersecurity going to be hacked? That's, that's bad. <laughs> now, once FireEye was hacked, they began reaching out to the FBI, which is a standard procedure when a company gets hacked. 
between FBI and FireEye, they, they worked together, right? And they came to a conclusion that this was, in fact, a Russian state-sponsored hack. But how the Russians were able to infiltrate their system was still unknown. Until it wasn't. On Sunday, the 13th of December, only five days later, FireEye made a global announcement. It wasn't just FireEye who had been hacked, but thousands, thousands of companies around the world as well. Hackers hadn't directly attacked each company in order to break in. No, 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 no. That wouldn't have been cost effective. And on top of that, it would have been extremely challenging to break through the defenses of each of those companies. Instead, they did something very clever. The Russians, they hacked into a third-party tool that tons of companies depend on for monitoring. And this is where SolarWinds comes into the picture. Now, SolarWinds, this is a small company based out of Austin, Texas. They have roughly around 3,000 employees or so. Their most popular product is called Orion, which is an IT monitoring tool. Now, monitoring is, is basically gaining visibility into the health and the performance of something, right? And in SolarWinds, Orion's place, that something is IT. That's servers, applications, networks, storage, things like that. Now, SolarWinds has roughly around 33,000 customers that use the Orion product. And nearly all of the Fortune 500 companies use this tool. So yeah, you could say it's, it's a pretty popular tool, right? This is why they call it a supply chain attack. Instead of the Russians infiltrating every company directly, they decided to attack the company's business partner or the company's supplier, who in this case is SolarWinds. Now, SolarWinds, they were compromised at the software build process, but the exact details on how it was done, that's still unknown. All right, let, let's get into the fun stuff. Let's, let's talk about the details of the attack and what the malware could actually do. By the way, before we kick this off, this malware has been called Sunburst, and this is the one tied directly to the Russians. But uh, also last week, there was another announcement. SolarWinds Orion's tool had also been hacked by someone else, and they had embedded their own malware and backdoor as well. And this malware is being called Supernova. You know what this means? This means that SolarWinds had been hacked by two different groups of hackers. That's insane. <laughs> but I'll talk about the details of Supernova uh, in a little bit. All right, so for the Sunburst malware, the hackers embedded a backdoor through a DLL file, and they signed it with a valid certificate. Now, DAL stands for Dynamically Linked Library. Libraries are basically reusable code. I'll give you an example. In order to display text on a computer screen, all applications or all programs need to run a piece of code called a print function. Now, having every single application create their own code for a print function, that just seems like a waste of time. <laughs> If everyone needs to use this one function, why not have that single function come pre-installed so that all applications and programs can call it and make a reference to it instead of having to create their own? That's what a library is. It's a set of code that several other programs can reference instead of having create their own. Now remember this. 
a library cannot run on its own and needs a process and executable to call them in order to run on the computer. Now, there's two different types of libraries. Well, technically modules are libraries as well, but I'm not gonna cover those today. There's two different types of libraries. There's static and dynamic libraries. Now, what static means is that when an application needs to use this library, that application needs to reach out to the library, copy all that code, paste it into its applications code, compile it, and then run it. Now, the issue with this is that when you have about 20 different libraries that you're dependent on, that means you're having to do 20 different copy and paste. That means your overall code size is going to get a lot larger, which in return means your performance is going to get impacted because there's so much more code to process. Now, dynamic libraries tend to improve an application's performance because instead of having an application do the copy and paste, compile, and all that stuff, the program can run. And then while it's running, it'll just call the dynamic library, get a response, and that's it. No need to do any copy and paste, nothing like that. You just make a call to the library while it's running, and that is it. Much more efficient. Now, hackers like to exploit DLL files or dynamic libraries because DLLs are not executable. They're just libraries. So when an administrator is looking at all the processes that are currently running on the computer, they actually don't see the libraries that those processes are calling out to. So to them, it all looks like legitimate processes and programs that are running. Now let's just say that, you know, malware had been injected into a static library instead. Well, then the antivirus would most likely catch it because the malicious static library, it has to be copied, pasted into the program's code, compiled, and then run as a whole with the application. Now the AV will see that it's an executable application and that it's running malicious code and block it. So you see there's, there's always a trade-off with security and performance. You can have a high performing app, which then means that most likely you'll have weak security, or you can have a very strong security stance, but your app can barely run. <laughs> you see, there, there has to be some kind of balance there. So back to the hack, the Russians embedded malicious code into a legitimate DAL file, a, a dynamically linked library file. And then they created a standard Windows installer patch file. They included the DEL file within the patch, and then they released it to all of SolarWinds customers. So as you can see, from a customer standpoint, the only thing that they saw or they noticed was like, hey, look, a new update is available. I should probably upgrade. And they did, 18,000 of them did. Now, once a customer installed the update file, an executable program would run and load that malicious DEL into memory. Now, once installed, the malware would then wait for around two weeks, and then it will reach out to its command and control servers, looking for instructions on what to do next. And those instructions could range from transferring files, executing files, rebooting a system, disabling the system completely. And basically, the hackers had almost godlike privileges across all of these companies' networks and systems. Now, once the hackers were in the system, they would begin to jump around within the environment, accessing other systems to see what they can find. And in order to distinguish and hide their movement, they would use legitimate employee credentials. So again, to any security person that was reviewing the activity that was going on, 
This would look like actual employees of the company were logging into different systems. It just it would look like completely normal activity. If the hackers found something interesting that they wanted to steal, they would simply send that information to their command and control server. And now you're thinking, wait, 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 wait. How didn't that raise an eyebrow with security? How didn't security see that data was leaving the environment and being sent out somewhere? Well, they did. But the hackers blended this activity with legitimate functionality of the Orion product. They use Orion's improvement program protocol, which sends information back to SolarWinds. So again, to the security team, it looked like normal functionality. This was a highly precise attack with almost zero mistakes. Now that was the first malware that was found. Around two weeks ago, SolarWinds made another announcement. They found another malware embedded in, and guess what? The hackers exploited another DLL file, which allowed hackers to remotely send code to a victim system to be compiled and executed. Now, Microsoft and SolarWinds believe that Supernova is not part of the, the Russian hack, but instead a completely other hacker group. And we still don't know who it is. See, the problem with SolarWinds is that you can tell that they're not taking security serious. Like in 2018, SolarWinds was actually warned that their password to their file transfer server was compromised and that they needed to update their password, which they didn't do. And what do you guys think that password was for that server? I'll give you guys a second. The password was SolarWind123. Like it's, it's almost laughable. Like, are you guys serious? <laughs> that's, that's like someone using their first name followed by one, two, three afterwards as a password. And if any of you guys have that as a password, please go change that. Now with so many US departments being hacked and so many different companies being hacked, I'm really interested to see how our government's going to react to this. Um, it kind of seems like no one has really been talking about it. And, you know, especially with the chaos that occurred recently at the Capitol, I, I you know, I fear that everyone's going to forget about this or maybe not even know about this, which is just insane. <laughs> so anyways, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. That's it for today. I appreciate you guys listening in. Now stay safe, everyone. Talk to you guys later. Peace.